All right. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> we just wanted to give a heads up uh, before this episode that we're going to do a two-parter. Yes. So in recording this, we realized that we have a lot to talk about because we're just awesome. Yeah. And uh, we just, you know, kind of got on a roll and it went a little bit longer than our podcast normally go. So yes. we decided to just break it up into two. So what we're going to have for you is two parts to this episode. So if you like part one, make sure to stay tuned and we will drop part two ASAP. Drop that sweet, sweet fire second episode. <laughs> yeah. So enjoy part one. Yeah, uh, I'm just going to pitch you some movies. Cool. And maybe we'll get famous from a movie. I'm sure someone on listening to this will send it to the right people. So. Or we can just like write it and make it and star in it, direct it. This sounds like a lot of work, but quarantine has me taking on ambitions, <laughs> ambitious tasks. So Yeah, I feel like I'm texting my friends and they're like, I'm doing good. I invented my own language. <laughs> it's only like... 40,000 words so far. Mm, meh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, that's cool. I'm playing Zelda again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game from the 90s. Oh, no. This is a more recent one. Yeah. It's, I think it's from the 90s. Yeah. Stuff from the 90s is great. So. Yeah. Um. So, let's see. I'll give you a movie title here. Cheese mm-hmm. um, Panorama. Cool. I'm interested. Get your 2% here. Nice. Get your 2% here. And Is uh, that a pass? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, let me hear your movie. What do you got? Um, this one is the... The Doll Hair Museum. A terrified <laughs> white <laughs> look came across your face after you said the... <laughs> What was it? The ter- the doll the, hair museum. Doll doll hair museum. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. I'm gonna pass. Oh, okay. I had yeah. a good line. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I'm double pass. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't gonna be scary. Back to you. <laughs> All right. No, what was it? No, no, you can't. No, go ahead. <laughs> um, set set sell me away. <laughs> Okay, so s- s- sell me away. Great. Yeah, S-E dash S-E dash sell me away. I'm going to skip yours because you <laughs> skipped mine and let me get my great one-liner. This uh, movie that I have. What do you got? Is uh, Samuel Ice Cream Man. All right. I feel like I have to ask you for the tagline now. What's the tagline? <laughs> He's always eating ice cream. All right, let's see it. Let's. I want to like. Let's go through a scene of this. I okay. See what all right. Okay. Uh, would you like to play Samuel or? Yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I could also play Samuel. Um, okay. Let's both be Samuel. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you ready to read from the script? Yeah. Let's pull it up here. Cookie, Cookie dough. dough. 
I'm sorry. Did you say something? I said cookie dough. That was the first line. I said cookie. Ho. So are you going to read or are you just going to... Like, I'm just wondering if you're going to, like, actually read it or you're going to fuck around because I don't have time for this. This can go to Hollywood. Sorry, I, I went Hollywood. Off, <laughs> I went off script there. Okay. For the second... Okay. All right. Do you want to take it from there? Or just like Let's on? just go to the next one, I guess. You, you like, don't deserve it. It's crazy what was going to happen next in that scene. Too bad we can't get to it. Okay. My movie is called Give Me It or I'll Take It Now. Yikes. <laughs> Okay, um, I guess we'll hear the tagline for this one because I'm a little worried. <laughs> and I hope you can turn it around. Yeah, okay, the tagline. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not about sex. Cool, okay. Uh, let's let's hear a little bit from it. Let's get a scene or something. Oh, okay, yeah, let me pull up this script. I, it's just like a, a draft, so don't critique it too hard. Yeah, well, you critiqued mine, so, you know. Okay. <clears throat> Freeze. Is that it? Yeah, that's all I got so far. Wow, great. It's a great movie. Yeah. I'll next time I'll pass you a script too so you can read the other part because Yeah, that's probably good. Okay. Do you have any more? Not really. That's it. Tapped. I probably could think of more, but But that's the title of my movie. Oh, okay. I probably could think of more, but... Okay. That's a good one. I'm going to pass on it. Okay. Okay. Do you want to hear another one? Yeah. <laughs> you don't sound interested. Isn't it your turn next? <laughs> yeah. But I asked you, you're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I've never been more ready. <laughs> Dev is like on her phone. <laughs> I am not. Tell me about your dang movie. Okay. It's called The Slow and the Curious. Okay, let's get the tag. The tag is Vin Diesel's back and slower than ever. I just have a question. Yeah. Is it Vin Diesel portrayed as or portrayed by a sloth? Because if it isn't, I feel like you should rework the whole movie. That's a good note. And I, I'll take that note and I'll run with it. I think I think um, you're saying the sloth is voicing Vin Diesel or vice versa. How would a sloth voice him? Uh, I don't know. Like, which is the, like, <laughs> I don't even know what the noise that sloths make. I've been in the presence of a sloth one time. What was and that I like? Was in shock yeah. that I... It also didn't make any noise while I was around it. Was it chewing? Rip mocha. Um, yeah, but I wasn't like right up in its Wait. face. <laughs> I feel like you said rip mocha. Yeah, rip mocha. Mocha the sloth. Did you never meet mocha the sloth? Oh, no, I met mocha. I thought you meant a different mocha. Like, I just know a lot of mochas. Oh, know? same. Yeah. Anyways, um, so I was thinking that it was actually going to be Vin Diesel's head, like, turned into a sloth. You know, like cartoonized to be oh. a sloth, and then it's like him in a sloth action movie, but everything's really slow. Yeah, that's great. I thought you meant that he would have like extensive hair and makeup done to make him look like a sloth, but it's still they're just filming him. No, I kind of want to see that though. Okay. What does <laughs> what does Vin Diesel sound like? 
Um, I've seen The Pacifier, and that's probably I've the only movie too. I've seen it's with such him a in it. Bad movie. Oh man. I've also seen it a bunch of times. What? So. That's crazy. Why? Because <laughs> it's on. It was on all the time. Okay. And um, I can only watch TV at a certain time of the week, you know. So it's like whatever's on, you got to watch. That's true. This was pre DVR. Okay, I understand. <laughs> Because that like, movie came out in like 2003, 4, 5. I remember I saw it with my dad when I was like in elementary Did you guys school. see it in theaters? We saw it in theaters. And he was like, this is so dumb. And I was like, come on, dad. <laughs> Did Adam go with you too? I think I think Adam missed out on that one. He yeah. was like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too bad he missed out on the experience of a freaking lifetime. Yeah, I know. You're telling me. Okay. Okay, so we'll skip that then. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any more? Um one last pitch. I know you got okay, it. You got okay. it. The sun sets over Verana. This is mysterious. I like it. Yeah, it's just literally came to my head. I don't wow. even you know, like wow. I'm, a, I'm like a genius. It's cool. What's the uh tagline? You don't want to know what happens when the sun goes down. That makes me want to know. I know, this doesn't the, it? This is the best one so far. Sunset over Verana. You don't want to know what happens when the sun goes down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's, uh, do you have anything written for it? Um, yeah, I do. Okay. So there's two characters. Wait, let me. Okay. Thank goodness you found it. It was really buried under that stack of scripts that oh, we have. Oh, God, my arms are tired. <laughs> Boy, am I tired. Um, so there's two characters. There is um, Lancelot. Okay. And Sham. Hmm. I'll take Lancelot. Okay, cool. So it's great because Sham is the main character. So it's more my speed. So Lancelot's in probably scene, like really strong though and like really awesome and brave and like does a lot of flips. Yeah. Yeah, sure. That's yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. So in this scene, Sham and Lancelot are having lunch on the terrace. Um. And it's you know, it's about twelve o'clock. So there's a bit of time before the sun goes down. It's noon. Yeah, I said twelve o'clock. Okay, half day. Yes. So there's still another half of the, you know half of the day. Prime right? meridian. Okay. Cool. So um, you ready? Let's go for it. Hey, Lancelot, um, I need to talk to you about something. Sham, I'm so happy to see you. I was just shaving my hair. Oh, um, it looks great, I think. I don't know. I have something really important I have to talk to you about. Okay, just tell me if I missed anything on my widow speak, because it's really been growing and strong lately. Wow, um, actually, yeah, it looks really good. Thanks. I wanted to accent the widow's peak because not many people have it. It's a recessive trait. Oh my gosh! Did you just grow a full beard right now? <sighs> this is always happening. I'm sorry. I'm I'm gonna have to get back to shaving. So just tell me what you had to tell me quick. Um, I mean, I don't know anymore because like you're growing hair really fast from all over your body, and it's kind of starting to freak me out. Oh, don't worry about it. It's just me, a strong guy, Lancelot, doing what Lancelot does best. Block out the sun. And scene. Wow. It's just a little clip because I don't want to go too in-depth. You know, I don't want to, like, have someone try and steal the story from me. That's a good call. I feel like Lancelot maybe 
had too many lines. Yeah. Yeah, he's kind of a boring character. You're right. I could just write him out completely. Yeah. Not much going on there. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, hey, that was fun. Maybe one of these movies will get picked up. How are you doing, Dev? You ask me that every time, and every time my answer will continue to get worse. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) Oh, man. Coming in on a high note. Sorry. I'm sad. It's okay. It's okay. Um, It's it's hard times right now. It's hard times. uh, So I feel like everyone asks me that question, and I just, every time I'm like, I'm fine. (laughs) Yeah. But am I? Are we? I don't know. They're looking to you for leadership. <laughs> yes. All the random people. Be our ray of light. How are you doing, dear? I've never been better. <laughs> no, I can't even say that. Um, Without laughing. Yeah. Things could, things could be worse. Things could be better. Things could be better. But here we are. Um, nice burp. No solid it away from the mic i didn't want anyone to hear yeah it was it was powerful though you could <laughs> tell it was dense there was some muscle behind it girls got a burp your girls got a burp i said your girls got a burp i thought we were writing movies not songs all right well you know i just <laughs> your girls got a burp <laughs> It's true, though. You girls got a burp. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, All right. Anyways, so we kind of did the one topic thing again. We did. We've been honing in, uh, focusing our gaze. um, And, you know, I was inspired. uh, I I watched a documentary and that inspired mine. And I I think that kind of like set the tone because I... It's also Devin and I have like only been hanging out with each other because of self isolation uh, rules in the place that we're living. So, well, just really most places too. Yeah, we're both like uh, just kind of reached a point. We're like, well, we're here again. Here we are. (laughs) (laughs) What do we talk about now? (laughs) We've asked each other that before, actually, recently. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a really. it's a it's a good test, but uh, it's it's been. <laughs> I like Deb just gave me a look. It's like good luck getting out of this hole, buddy. <laughs> You've dug yourself the grave, Jeremy. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm going to let you help yourself into it. <laughs> but we've been talking about it a lot, and I we both said this, but I wouldn't rather be quarantined with anyone else. You know. <laughs> but. It's true. I don't. I think I would have like punched through a wall, or I don't know, pulled my hair out or something a lot sooner. Um, so <laughs> I'm glad that I'm stuck with you instead of <laughs> someone else. I already pulled out clumps of my hair, but you know, <laughs> love me too. <laughs> um, anyways, so yes, Jer watched the documentary, okay. and that inspired him to take several pages of notes. Mm-hmm. Um. My topic was then influenced from his. And, um, yeah, so we got a really (laughs) little bit sad, um, but also some positive things. Yeah. It's also just, I feel it's important to know what's going on. Yeah. Um, so it might, 
not be like the easiest listening, but I think it's for me it was surprising and shocking, which is why I was like motivated to bring it up and start uh, getting into it. Yeah. So, so the theme should we just let's just say it. it's just so much like our last it's one, so fun, like it's silly. Like, yeah, it's like light, fluffy. Yeah, buttery. Jared, go ahead, take it away. So our theme is detention camps. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, that's our theme. So strap in. <laughs> Get ready for some detention camp knowledge. Yeah. You're gonna be so knowledgeable. Alright, you ready to throw? Yeah, we gotta do our Rochambeau, decide who goes first. No fire. No fire. No fire. Okay, no fire. No fire. No fire. That All was right. yeah, that was a problem last time we did. There was fire. Bro, shampoo. What did you throw? The Illuminati? It's the Illuminati. It's everywhere. <laughs> You can't throw the Illuminati, Jeremy. Well, the Illuminati is throwing me 24-7, so I got to turn the tables around. <laughs> oh, how the turntables. All right. No one throws Illuminati. No one throws fire. Okay. One, no. two, sure. three. Oh, I did it wrong. That was I, my throw. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was one, two, three, throw, right? No, it's Rochambeau. Bow throw. I thought we always did it on Rochambeau. <sighs> That's how I always do it. We, we have need, to go back and listen to, to all carve, the episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's carve the rules into a stone. <laughs> so the Rosetta Stone of cross culture. Okay, so Rochambeau go, or do you want to do... <laughs> or do you just want to... I thought we were doing it, and I threw scissors. <laughs> okay, okay Rochambeau go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, we'll do that one. That's the one we'll do. Which okay? one? Which one are you... <laughs> Rochambeau go. Okay. So unnatural, but I'll figure it out. I just let's take a deep breath together. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's just do it. You know, let's just do it. Okay. Rochambeau go. All right. So you won. So you go first. Okay. Oh, just so everyone knows, he threw scissors again. And like, pr- get predictable, much, Jeremy. And I threw paper. I also threw them a beat early again, too. So I really... I didn't notice. The whole conversation <laughs> did nothing. <laughs> okay. So, I watched a documentary, but it wasn't on the Nazis or Hitler. It was about a rising dictatorship currently. Let me turn on my headlamp here. Very scientific. I'm wearing a headlamp so I can see my notes because we're kind of recording in the dark. Um, I like dim light. I'm sorry that I don't like light blasting in my eyeballs. Who said that? Who is in this room with me? I can't see anyone. <laughs> you have your headlamp on. What? Okay. So, I had the question after watching this documentary and after kind of studying um, like uh, dictatorships, I was I was just wondering how dictatorships come to power if there's any sort of repeatable pattern uh, or any, anything like that that you can kind of latch on to as almost uh, red flags or warning signs. So uh, I chose Hitler just because he's the most well-known dictator in history. Yeah. Um, but he got a lot of people to follow him. And my question was, how did he do that? 
not like because I want to. <laughs> I promise. Jer, I looked at his search history and it was how do I become a dictator? And then it was motivational speeches from Mussolini, Hitler. Yeah, it was also a lot of like spirit Halloween sites, like for really untasteful Halloween costumes. And it's like physically transforming you into a dictator. Yeah. A lot of Mussolini. Sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, mustache is part of the dictatorship game. But I kind of went through and I kind of just looked at the timeline of what allowed Hitler to, to come into power. So I found a couple things that were notable. Um, he wasn't a super likable guy in person, conversationally. He was like super awkward, right? Yeah, really unpleasant. But like people described that when he publicly spoke, this it was like a, a switch flipped in him and he became this very charismatic, very energetic and impassioned speaker. I mean, everyone's probably seen Hitler speeches. He's shouting in German, you know, mm -hmm. it kind of like created a, an angry German stereotype. Um, he, he actually had a lot of failure early on and he, he, he was Austrian. He evaded, being drafted into Austrian military for World War One, he went to Germany and joined the military there. He was in the hospital during a lot of the conflict after a mustard gas attack. Um, and then he got a job in the military intelligence field, which gave him a background of kind of how to run a military and how uh, kind of like spy operations work. And then from there, he went and... Uh, became associated with the workers party championing the common man right uh kind of the everyday man and again super awkward and uncomfortable in person not likable not like what you would imagine the every man to be but he had almost like a pr team before pr team was a word and he, he invented pr teams actually yeah he really controlled his image and had pictures posted of him with animals being in nature with kids and brought himself across as this really upstanding, uh, morally sound, likable guy that people identified with. Um, a lot of American magazines even covered him as like being a dog lover, you know, and like kind of just being this like he became a, a wrecking force for for that party, and um, he he built. A following based on the economic difficulties after World War One. Another interesting thing is that he fueled conspiracy theories that Polish and German Jews betrayed Germany. So then he becomes a martyr. Uh, he attempts to overthrow the Bavarian government in Germany, uh, which is like more of a regional government. And he fails, gets thrown in jail. That's when he writes Mein Kampf. He becomes a martyr for the cause. And then mass media gets a hold of these stories of this guy who's, you know, attempting to change Germany for the better, uh, stands up for the everyman, um, and they kind of falsify this private life that he has of being a really likable guy. Then uh, he uses violence that's being incited as tensions are ramping up. Within Germany, uh, one of the instances was the Reichstag fire, and he justifies the expansion of his power. He, he's been elected chancellor at this point. Um, so he ran for president and lost. But the president kowtowed to pressure because there was such a falling behind Hitler. And he 
he justified the expansion of his powers uh, in response to these attacks, you know, saying that it was important now more than ever that he take measures to stop the violence. But instead of going after the perpetrators of the violence, he goes after his political enemies and detains them, the people that are standing in his way. Mm. Sounds familiar. Right. (laughs) Then with his expanded power, he has full control over the military, installing the Gestapo, and, you know, the rest is history. Um, People are living in fear as the Gestapo is collecting information on households. Hitler has learned through all his failures that although it's, it's possible to still maintain a following through failure, it's much more effective if he's able to win these conflicts these very winnable conflicts against people who are marginalized because it unites the people behind one ideology and one cause Mm -hmm. that's uh that's how he comes to power and he becomes this dictator that is exercising you know vast powers across the world yeah i didn't know a lot of that stuff about hitler gotta admit oh yeah like what uh a lot of it i mean i knew about his rise to power like once he started getting like political but i guess his early life i didn't really know much about i didn't know he was born in austria actually yeah and he was like super low class um his father beat him too which is like yeah there you go yeah so so we're not talking about hitler we're not talking about hitler what yeah so i brought that up because i wanted to see if there were any patterns that we could trace through this documentary I watch. So it was about, um, and maybe even my topic too. Yeah. Right. Anyways, go ahead. It's, it's about the detainment of, um, Muslim Chinese populations in Eastern China on the border of China and Kazakhstan. Uh, the documentary I saw was a frontline documentary from PBS. The name of the episode was China undercover. It's an hour long documentary. And, um, can't recommend it enough it's uh it's really awesome i mean it's just it's amazingly done the lengths that they go to to find this information is also wild Um, frontline's really good quality information oh yeah yeah and um yeah it's stood the test of time a lot of their stuff you know they break a lot of stories too so when was this one made this was made this year it was it came out a few weeks ago okay in april yeah April 2020. So where to start here? How about like, um, sorry, yeah. you can go ahead. No, no, no. I'm, I'm asking. Yeah. Just like um, how big in general is the Muslim population in China? Um, that's a good question. I don't, I don't know. And a lot of that information, um, I don't know actually how accessible it is. I didn't look it up. So um, that is probably on me. But I would not be surprised if that number were somehow misreported i mean yeah of course i just didn't know if it was a large percentage of the population um yeah this is a good place to start actually (laughs) where this detainment camp is where the chinese government is detaining muslim chinese um is in a a region called xinjiang which is in eastern china um it's an area that was um settled a thousand a little over a thousand years ago by a population of people known as the uyghurs 
Uh, it's spelled U-Y-G-H-U-R. And they're, they're you know, uh, they're a Muslim, traditionally Muslim population that was settled kind of smack dab in between Kazakhstan and China. And then 250 years ago, um, the Qing dynasty usurped that area, drew the border, pretty much divided the Uyghur population mm -hmm. uh, in half. A lot of this area is really mountainous in Xinjiang. It's become weirdly a tech hub for China, a tech development hub. There's a history of conflict between Han Chinese and Uyghur Chinese people. So Han Chinese typically are representative of China's Communist Party, which is in power with President Xi Jinping. Mm -hmm. In 2009... There was a protest for the police killing a Uyghur, uh, a, a Uyghur person, and there were riots in the street. I mean, it was it in like all of China or in this region of uh, oh, okay. Xinjiang, okay. yeah, which is eastern China. And what happened was, you know, mass riots. Police respond. They kill up over two hundred people. The police do, and it's it's a mix of Uyghur and Han people. So that's something that I thought was interesting because it wasn't, it's been an incident that's been used to divide those two types of, of people living there. But the incident actually affected both of them. It's like a massacre. Yeah. Yeah. After the fact, um, Uyghur civilians were targeted, arrested, and a lot of them killed in the following years. And this was a part of the Chinese government rolling out their what they call war on terror mm -hmm. um which i thought was a really interesting phrase to use because we hear it a lot in western civilization the muslim population in china has been blamed for the violence um the government incites this cultural war between han and uyghur population and there are you know as a result a lot of islamic attacks on just han civilians mm -hmm. because they're they're um they're being imprisoned and killed and they're they're feeling like you know they're being culturally squashed by the government in power and there was actually an email leaked that the new york times reported on from xi jinping to his government and the quote that was shocking to me was he told his government to unleash uh the, the tools of dictatorship to eradicate uh, uh, islamic radicals wow yeah which is pretty damning um chinese government dismissed it as lies and ah sound familiar yeah so um where does this lead us <laughs> quite a year quite a ways back still yeah over a decade <laughs> right well so that that's pretty much the events that have led up to modern times However, in 2016, people started noticing satellite images of, um, of these camps that were popping up in eastern China. And um, no one had heard what they were. They looked a lot like detention camps or prisons. So people started pressuring them, and the, the Chinese government denies anything like this existing, even. They deny the existence of, of these images. They say that they're falsified, right? God. Of the camps. Yeah. Drone footage comes out. Someone filmed inside of the camps with a drone somehow. 
and it shows shackled prisoners like sitting down outside in a yard mm-hmm. um and the estimation is that there are two million Uyghur Chinese people in custody at over 1,200 camps in the region. Um, It's a lot of people. It's widespread. And as time wears on, the Chinese government says, okay, these camps do exist, but they're vocational training camps that we're providing for our people. And the folks who are being taken to these camps aren't being given a trial they don't know when they're going to be taking their families don't know they just disappear someone interviewed in the documentary says one member of each family has been taken in the Uyghur community um to i mean it's two million people yeah it's so it's insane it's a lot of people yeah and then some of the more horrible details start um start to emerge the International Consortium of Investigational Journalists reveal that these are indoctrination centers and they are carrying out harsh punishments. Um, one person was detained for a year, for 12 months, just for having WhatsApp on their phone. Wow. Yeah. Um, some of the punishments include a maximum of two minutes for bathroom breaks. If that amount of time is exceeded, they get a cattle prod. They get shocked off of the toilet. Um, They're disallowed food. Someone reported having to sit on a chair for 24 hours, not being allowed water twice, no food. They had to go to the bathroom where they were just like really horrible stuff. Yeah. All these accusations are coming out. Journalists are reporting on it. Chinese officials wrote a response actually to the documentary the investigation that was going on through pbs and they said that human rights are being strictly followed uh the dignity of our trainees are being respected and insults and cruelties are strictly prohibited so just saying that it's more lies right exactly they're saying we're we're training them we're taking care of them in addition to this there's also really disturbing I guess the question that I had after seeing this is how does that happen mm-hmm. and how does it remain quiet for so long mm-hmm. you know the first evidence of this was popping up in late 2015 early 2016 yeah and it had obviously been going on for a while yeah if they had built up this many camps right remember earlier when I said that this this region of Xinjiang is a, a tech hub mm-hmm so there are more than 1,400 tech companies in this region. Mm-hmm. Most of them are surveillance companies. So you might know where this is going. Where effectively this re- region has become a surveillance state. They have cameras on every street. Mm-hmm. They have cameras in front of almost every house. There are checkpoints periodically throughout the cities. You have to tell the police what you're doing, where you're going. If you're a Uyghur, you're subjected to more intense scrutiny and questioning. Mm-hmm. And um, you need your you need to swipe an ID to buy groceries or to access certain parts of the city. And the swiped IDs maintain data. And they enter the data of the person where they're traveling at all times, keeping tabs on them. Mm-hmm. So it's tracking them all the time. Exactly. So the people are living in a state of fear. 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'd be scared. Right. And the residents reported, I mean, having constant nightmares, feeling just exhausted because they're not getting sleep. They're worried about just being taken away. Wow. Randomly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty bad. In 2017, the government started a, an intense data collection process. They began collecting fingerprints, DNA, facial scans, voice mapping on all residents just so that they could have that information on file. And um, they also released a series of government-sponsored apps in collaboration with some of these tech companies. One of them is called Homestay. One is called Becoming Family. What it does is it sends government workers into families' homes taking video, and they're purporting to show how connected the government is I actually, I don't even think they know that their government is what it is. It's just showing the unity of the country between Han Chinese and Uyghur Chinese. But the Han Chinese individual going into the home is actually working for the government, and they're recording how many people are living in the house mm. and how old they are, what they look like. Getting all weird. This, yeah. Well, I mean, the first part of it isn't that weird. It's kind of like census, but <laughs> right after that, when they ask what they look like and stuff, that definitely gets into. And they're recording video. Yeah. Yeah. So the government just has all this video information on all these families. Then what happens is the government takes a, Q, a QR code and posts it onto the front of the doors. It's one of those scannable codes. Yeah, like a barcode that a, a phone can scan. Then the police periodically can check in, scan the code to see the information of how many people should be living there, whose residents, and then they can go in and search, and anyone who's there who shouldn't be there can be detained for questioning. Oh, my God. Again, there's no trials in this process. Jesus. A lot of the times, family members don't even know if someone in their family has been taken. They're just gone one day. Wow. There's no way for them to find out. Oh, my God. Yeah. As if it doesn't... Couldn't get worse. The major tech companies in this region are championing facial recognition software. Yeah. Okay. So... They've collected a database, the most comprehensive database of facial recognition software... And some of the footage of these video cameras that are capturing surveillance in the documentary, I mean, it's not just like one camera on a street mm-hmm. sign or a lamppost. It's it's like seven cameras, you know. Um, how are they getting the footage of it? How is who? PBS. How are they letting them go in and film So them? this is crazy because they couldn't just go in. They had to find someone who was a Han Chinese person who lived out of the country because they couldn't get someone from within the country because they couldn't get into the country. So they got an anonymous operative who lived in Northern Taiwan, Mm -hmm. um, who was Han Chinese who had personal ties to the story. I think someone in their family had been affected. And so they went undercover, uh, this person claiming that they were there on business and they actually got interviews with a bunch of these tech companies, too, and were somehow able to sneak a phone in and record, um, like, while it's, like, in a bag 
or something. That's crazy. It, it's insane to watch. It's a really great documentary. So it's video too, but if it's in a bag, how would they get video too? Well, they didn't like show the setup, but it, it's like probably on the outside of a bag, oh, you know, okay. facing with the screen facing in, so it doesn't look like anything's on or recording, but the mm. camera is still recording. Oh, okay, I see. Um, Spy stuff. Right. Yeah. And so that actually it did like limit the investigation though because not many people wanted to talk to the investigator. Mm-hmm. They were worried that it was a government, you know, official trying to get someone to break, like a tactic. That's so scary. It's terrifying. Everyone's, yeah, afraid for their lives. And it's built upon this fear that they had of terrorism happening. You know, they thought if we all act together, if we surrender our rights, then we can help prevent violence, right? Yeah. They actually also got to speak with an ex-security official that worked at one of these tech companies for surveillance. Mm -hmm. And this person who had moved and relocated and remained anonymous said, of the Uyghur people, there is no procedure. They don't have human rights, you know, regarding how the surveillance companies treat them. One of the companies is named Leon, and another one that you may have heard of in news headlines is called Huawei. Um, They're both data collection companies. Now, Leon um, has constructed in that region what the documentary refers to as the most complete surveillance state in the history of humankind. Uh, They use cameras manufactured by a company that the U.S. has blacklisted for privacy uh, rights violations, human rights violation concerns. And the technology is actually able to analyze risks how they code it by measuring the facial expressions of people how fast they're walking and also the look of their face if their face matches they've mapped out so many different faces if their face matches a stereotypically like weaker looking person because it is it's a a race of people you know that's descended from this tradition then they're analyzed instantly from a higher risk threat so the technology is stereotyping this just sounds like something out of a movie it does it's horrifying meanwhile the religious sites have been of of muslim people in this region have been demolished by the government just taken out the ones that are remaining people don't meet there the kids of this culture are no longer speaking the language of uyghur people they're no longer practicing the traditions they're not able to so the culture is effectively being stopped out right yeah meanwhile the tech companies are selling their product to other countries they're saying see what we've done here they've the the leon company has entered talks to do business with 60 different countries around the world what were some of them um they didn't name the, the countries ah, but why not <laughs> yeah but i have a, i guess of a couple that might be on there yeah well um, two for sure oh yeah but um their selling point is the unity that it can bring to a population to reduce risk of security threats to the nation but really what they've shown is how much they can control a population Mm -hmm. they've effectively removed the culture of a people that was viewed as a threat 
by the majority government they've caused people i mean they've influenced people's decisions because of fear you know even the people who aren't detained an australian cyber security expert said people are forced to be living in camps but even those outside are in a prison and then one last thing on this um unexpectedly uh, in december of this past year 2019 the chinese government announced that everyone in the camps had graduated and was being released this is due to the uptick in stories that are being released about the detention camps and the human rights violations mm-hmm. um the government said that all detainees are have been employed since and are much happier now as you might suspect there's little evidence to corroborate this many of the people who have been released are unable to contact their families many people don't even know if the people in their family that have been captured have been released there's no way to contact them in one circumstance they were interviewing someone who lived in germany whose sister had been taken as a detainee and um she hadn't heard from them at all and then there was someone in kazakhstan whose wife had been taken and they had three kids together and um she left a message for a friend of his to pass along to say don't contact me oh my god no matter what you do don't contact me jesus so scary yeah this is going on right now yeah it's crazy because everything that you're saying seriously sounds like um a a movie in the surveillance side of it and then b like to me um it doesn't remind me so much of like hitler it reminds me a lot of like the who uh the tutsi and hutu um holocaust in africa yeah um just because like a lot of it was based i mean just like on how people looked you know they had like their little books that like said if you were a Hutu if you were a Tutsi and people could tell you know by like face shapes and like it's it sounds like a lot like that you know it's like a more less advanced version of of what's happening right now and it's like okay well if that was how it started then (laughs) obviously isn't that going to lead to that again well and also I mean not that dissimilar from nazi germany either. oh yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean it was dissimilar yeah. i just meant like it it also reminded me of another genocide that took place you yeah know, right on that. which is interesting because it's like okay here are the steps that you take and it's interesting because with technology we both have governments have more power at their disposal to wield over the people mm-hmm. to incite opinion to alter or even just put propaganda out there but then also we have more power than ever to uncover what's going on yeah but people aren't really using that i feel like i mean now with this yes now that's happening but also it's not something that we both would have really heard about if we hadn't sought out the information
Hey, everyone. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Uh, we just wanted to remind you that there is a second part to this if you made it this far. Yes. So part two is I'm going to be taking a closer look at detainment camps in the United States, specifically um, detaining people who might be in the country without a visa or a permit or whatever you want to call it. And it's not just that. Also, we, you know, we do have fun along the way. Yes. Yeah. So stay tuned for more on what's going on with detainment camps in the world in general, but specifically yeah. the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Stay aware and stay vigilant. And, and stay, stay f- cross-cultured. Cultured.